I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Happy Thursday, everybody. We've got a great show planned for you. Later in the show, we'll be sitting down with Phil Kogan of The Amazing Race. Yes, that show where we get to see... While having our heart rate and anxiety spiked, a little trip around the world. Uh, that's That show's going strong. So we'll be sitting down to talk about that and mental health and COVID. Let's talk about some news. Polyamory, it's in the news. I love this. Why? Because it just normalizes creativity and diversity. Uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. Interesting, right? They're recognizing polyamorous domestic partnerships. Yep, they just passed a domestic partnership ordinance that includes polyamorous relationships of more than two. I love that. Um, they're using language inclusivity. And look, that's just how it is. It's kind of like when we talk about gay characters in television. People get upset and they're saying, you're promoting it. And it's like, we're not promoting anything. We're just recognizing that they're there. And so they get to show up in storylines. Look, those same people are not complaining about the fact that murderous and rapists are showing up in storylines. Why? Do Are we promoting that? By putting them in a film or a movie? No, we're depicting reality. Art should reflect back reality and we're just showing what is and we're showing what's in existence. It is by no means uh, something supportive of that. However, I am supportive of polyamorous. Polyamory, there's nothing unhealthy about it. They definitely are healthy, solid, strong, committed relationships full of love. And I love that we're starting to change language because that's one of the, one of the frustrations I've always had with marriage is individuals should get to choose what their relationships, their relationships look like. The government shouldn't get to decide for us, nor should laws, what our relationships look like. Laws and government should match and meet our needs. And times have changed and people are in thruples and polyamorous relationships, open style. And that should be honored. And I want to be able to marry as many people as I'm in a romantic loving relationship with, if that makes sense to me. So more of that coming and I am here for it. I love it. Now, more good news. YouTube is banning a white supremacist. Love this. David Duke, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. I, I grew up hearing his name thrown around, but YouTube on Monday terminated channels belonging to high-profile white supremacists, a whole bunch of them. And um, I love that. A bunch of major social media sites are also aggressively tackling hateful content and Look, there's nothing wrong with that. The platforms themselves get to def- uh, decide what they want to participate in. And um, free speech means you get to you get to have your speech. That's not being removed, but there gets to be consequences to your problematic speech. That is not covered under free speech laws, consequences. And platforms get to decide what they honor and support. Um, so you get to use your speech, but you just got to take it elsewhere, platforms like YouTube are saying. Uh, this is a little heartbreaking. Don't be a sheep. Yeah, that's a punchy one. That is a quote, ready for this one, by a Washington sheriff. Yes, he is urging residents 
Oh my God. To defy a statewide mask mandate, Lewis County Sheriff Robert Snaza made these controversial remarks while addressing a maskless crowd of locals outside a church. See what we did there? We're folding in the Republicanism, the heightened religiosity, and those tend to be the circles around which, um, you know, a lot of pushback on wearing the masks. It's, it's quite fascinating. Also, some more dark news. Dr. Fauci, he's, you know, he's the one that we're listening to right now. He's over at the CDC. He says drinking inside a bar is one of the most dangerous things you can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Well, alcohol, our executive functioning goes offline, right? Inhibitions. And so we take risks. Also, a lot of bars are very small and packed, and so we can't maintain the distance. And it breaks every recommendation. We're told to limit our exposure, right? Be around people for short periods. It's not what a bar does. Be out, outdoors. Bars are indoors, typically. Uh, not around crowds. Typically, bars do. I mean, it, it just isn't going to work. And so that's what we're worried about. Uh, talking of which, Vanilla Ice. So he got a lot of backlash last week because he was going to perform a concert in Texas despite heartbreaking surges in infections of COVID. But it's going to get... Um, got canceled. Now, deeper diving into the research, I saw that he had only sold, I think like 84 of the magnitude of, you know, possible tickets that were available. So I was happy to see that. And, you know, I think the reason why I got canceled is because of poor ticket sales, honestly, not because they're looking out for everyone, but that's heartbreaking. You know, we talked about this people with big platforms, people listen. And that's why I think things are such a mess because people are still listening to like our president. You know, and again, here in LA, pretty much everything's gotten rolled back. We've basically lost everything that was reopened because people still aren't acting right and wearing their masks, which is why it's now a law and you can get fined. Look, we're doing that to save lives, right? So if y'all would follow the rules, then I can get back to living my life and back to the gym. And that's what I'm trying to do. So let's get to it. And then finally, look, this is, this is something I want everyone to learn a little bit from. A gay bar is in the news because they laid off their entire staff via like a Facebook message and an email. That's heartbreaking because people sometimes feel like they're part of a family when they work for a company and organization and just on the fly to get an email being like, yo, sorry about it, was really heartbreaking for them. It was a smaller bar. They all knew each other. It just felt very disrespectful to them. Um, they felt like they deserved more and I understand that. And then also, uh, did you guys hear this one? Someone at Starbucks was shamed, a barista. Uh, by this woman, I, I know you're probably aware of it, basically because of store mask policies, and everyone started tipping the individual, the barista who got attacked, and he got a hundred k because people were like, yeah, you know, you're you're upholding the law, you're looking out for everyone, well done, don't let this white woman, aka known as a Karen culturally these days, really push back on you. She now has come out saying she wants some of the money. She feels like she's responsible for this windfall he's gotten. Uh, you are, but it was an unfortunate thing. You aren't deserving of some of that money. Ah, <laughs> that's the world we live in these days. Anyway, a love line on our IG page. Question of the night's up. Time to wait in on that. And also, we'll be talking with Phil Kogan of The Amazing Race. So stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, now we're going to go to our first guest, Phil Kogan, EP and host of Tuss, Tough as Nails on CBS. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very good. I just wanted to say thank you for following the memo that I sent with regards to the unshaven look and also the blue shirt. One button done up, uh, undone up at the bottom. The only thing that's not matching is apparently you have far more tattoos than I do. <laughs> I like to follow the rules sometimes, but uh, we'll work on the tattoo thing. Uh, so I always like to start the show just by talking about mental health. So right now, through everything that's going on with COVID and whatnot, how is your mental health? Uh, well, you know what? My family's close by. Um, 
<laughs> my wife and my daughter. How is my mental health, everybody? Uh-oh. Uh, questionable, apparently. Questionable? <laughs> Always questionable? Is that it? Is that all I'm going to get? And my daughter doesn't say anything. All right, she now we're going to go to our first guest, Phil Kogan, EP that and host awesome. of Tuss, Tough as Nails yeah, on no, CBS. I'm, Welcome to the show. I'm, How are you? Uh, I'm very good. I just wanted to say thank you for following uh, the memo that I sent with regards uh, to the unshaven look and also uh, the blue shirt. Been. One button done up, uh, undone up at the bottom. Really the only thing is, that's uh, not matching is apparently you have uh, far more tattoos than I do. Um, <laughs> I like to, to follow the rules sometimes, uh, but I will work on the tattoo thing. Uh, so I always like to start the show just by talking about so mental health. So right now, through everything that's going on with you know, COVID and whatnot, how is your mental them, health? Get focused on something. Uh, really, well, you know what? My family's uh, close by. Um, whether it's reading my wife, my daughter. Um, How is my mental doing health? something I've always wanted to do, uh -oh. never done before. And uh, just questionable, to, apparently. Questionable? Try to immerse yourself always in something that makes you feel good. Is that it? Is that all I'm going to get? We need that right now. And my now daughter doesn't say anything. Yeah. She runs out the door to go advice. test drive a car. It says it all, Phil. I think I'm in pretty good shape. I won't say it hasn't been challenging. Congratulations on because it has been. Is Wednesday, um, uh, but PM, what's really helped me is uh, being distracted with amazing uh, as well. a job. How um, do you maintain being able to, connections with uh, those you love to focus on something on that I feel really passionate about? And well, it's so people have asked me about how to thing, right? um, you know, get through this, this and I've said the to them, that I've ever been get focused on something, get really never, uh, into something, whether it's reading a book, doing something you've always wanted to do, never done before, and just try to five years. Try to immerse and yourself in something I've that makes you feel good. Because we need we need that right now more than ever. Yeah. I think that's beautiful advice, um, and that's what I'm kind of telling people that I'm working with clinically as well. Is find something meaningful, you know, to do at this time. Otherwise, miles. it can add another layer uh, of depression. It's very challenging. Um, so for someone like yourself who works uh, a lot, and congratulations on everything, tough as nails is Wednesday, 8 p.m. And also, we're going to be doing a little season 32 of Amazing Race as well. How do you maintain connections with those? you love while so busy and on the road or people based on uh people knowing well, what it's i do challenging i mean it's a day-to-day -day thing right um this is the longest that i've ever been in one place um, in my life I do i've never had this because i am a work kind of and i i've never been so I, grounded i guess you could say uh, my parents and they, i've been in television for 35 years and I think I've averaged around 250,000 miles keep on going a year going since going. 1994. So I, have to force myself um, to relax. I had one year I had where I traveled 463 or 67, somewhere around there, 1,000 miles. Me uh, it's very challenging, birthday. especially when you I have, have a child. I really enjoyed um, it. That's why she ran out um, to test drive a car. I, I did it. Um, <laughs> I did it. But, uh, yeah, I did no, it it's very challenging. My family live in New Zealand. My phone, I didn't work for an entire day. But great. All the relationships um, that I, I have that are based on, if I, if or people, based on uh, people I'm, knowing I'm what I do and the fact that this is a part of my life. So you just have to, you have to set aside time. No, I find I find um, time to get. I do out struggle you know, with that sometimes I, I because I am a workaholic I, I and I paid to do something. I, I got I, that from frankly would pay my parents and then their parents before them. You know, coming from working class. What people, I, I think so there's I, a, I feel very lucky. a work yeah, ethic and a drive to just keep on going and going and going. So I have to force myself to relax. Yeah, I had my first day off and work you know, this year my career, a few weekends ago. My daughter forced me to do that for my birthday. The things I have to say really I really enjoyed it. Happy. Um, <laughs> and I did it. I get them to. I did it. I did it with a hundred percent commitment. I didn't pick up my phone. I didn't work for an entire day, and it felt great. 
um, food, I tend reading, to do that with things. If I, if I get into is, something, like, I'm, right out, I'm, I'm all in, including relaxing when I do relax, which is not that and often. And then ask yourself, well, how can I do No, I find, I find t- time to get out. And, and you know, that involves I, I do feel lucky that I, I get paid to do something to that out, I, quite uh, frankly, would pay qualification and something to do. I mean, that's how much I love so you need what to I know do. what it so is that I, I you feel want very to lucky. get out of life. Yeah, the kind of people you've gotten to and meet and also the places in the world that you've gotten to go. So it's quite impressive. People are happy to be around yeah, you. It's very lucky in that regard. And, and you know, throughout my career as I've gotten older, I've tried to help more and more people identify the things that really make them happy. And I get them to do an exercise like as simple as just getting out a piece of paper and writing down all the things that make them happy people travel food reading gardening whatever it is like they write out providing what are the things that make you the happiest away from and then ask yourself well how can i do more of those things out and sometimes that involves a career change or it involves studying to get yourself you're actually focusing on qualification and something that you've always we'll be right back with phil kogan you need to know what it is that you want to get out of life and make yourself as right, happy so as you can be so that I watched people trailer, are happy to be around the, you. you know, and I it's thought, your responsibility, wow, I, don't know that I think, I do to any of the jobs create your own happiness. Other people shouldn't make you happy. It's about shape, you size, gender, being fulfilled really and then having something that you can offer others. And that is... So that, I mentioned that, that is uh, what creates people, an infectious personality. People want to be farmers, around people who have that positive energy where there's mechanic. something that they, um, they're providing rather than kind of and, sucking stuff and, uh, uh, away from somebody else. You're work with pushing hands, something out can do things with into the hands, world, something positive. Tools. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that, that advice. When you're focusing on yourself, you're actually focusing on the health of other relationships you're a part of. We'll be right back with Phil Kogan to talk more about his new show, Tough as Nails have a tertiary education but my parents did and my grandparents generation you know who came through the depression and then world war ii they were all about pushing their kids into getting a tertiary education and what's happened is we kind of started to look down on those people who are in the trades like somehow if you don't have a degree and if you haven't gone to university you're somehow less than like you can't have a, a fulfilling life doing something in the trades you have to have a degree that is the key to the kingdom of happiness and being a good contributor in society and so I, it always frustrated me that people had that attitude all right We've so let's got, talk about yeah, tough as nails i watched the trailer right now or the, you know and i thought wow I don't and know that I could do that any of the jobs that these individuals are doing and the diversity of people in terms of shape, size, gender, but also it's really impressive, a, their dedication, but also their resilience. Person. So talk to us about so that and the people I that were chosen. Us to get back to so I mentioned that I come from working class and, um, people, and coal miners, gold miners, farmers, my so grandfather's a mechanic, auto mechanic and a World War II era mechanic. I've always been inspired and loved and watching so people who work with their hands, the people air, who can do things with their hands, their number one set of tools, and, women and roll up their that knowledge that they the have to be done, able to get things the done. The calluses on their it's always fascinated me, and it's always frustrated me. Allow that, you know, my grandparents didn't get a chance to have a tertiary lights, education, uh, who but my parents did. On the table, and make things work, make sure the my grandparents' generation, you know, who came through the you know, depression and then World War II, they were all about pushing their kids into getting a tertiary education. 
That and what's happened is take a little time to we kind of that's really what started to look down so I, on those people who, of, who are in the trades. Like somehow if you don't have a degree and if you haven't gone to university, and I had them compete you're somehow less than. Like you can't have a, a fulfilling um, life doing something in the other. trades. You have to you have a degree. A that is something on a farm. the key to the kingdom um, of from happiness of life. Being a They're good contributor in society, and so I, it always frustrated me that people had that uh, attitude. We've got three million trade jobs right now that are vacant in this country, tough, and you can't tell me that there aren't some high school kids that would be great at going into the, the trades and being mechanics yeah, and studying and under like said, a, a master trades person. So I just want us to get back to honoring that and see that that is something very valuable and. Just so uh, happens that right now skill that's, that's we are appreciating our essential workers perhaps yeah, more than we ever have since kind of Rosie the Riveter in World War II. The and was, so the timing of you know, the show going on the air tough. and acknowledging those um, hard-working men and women who roll up their sleeves you know, every day, sure, get the job done, your work, who wear the calluses on their hands as a badge of honor. You might those people who allow us to flush our toilets, turn on the, somebody the lights, on the way look, uh, who get to help us like, get food on the table, who so make things work, make sure the roads the are smooth, who are up on buildings, old, you know, connecting massive I-beams. Those people that are world, essential she is to the world working the that we take a little time to honor them. And that's really what this show is all about. So I picked 12 of who I believe are the toughest workers in America. I brought them to Los Angeles and I had them compete at real job sites against each other. You might see a fireman doing something on a farm. We have people from all walks of life. You can also They're not going to be running over obstacle courses or you know, competing on some uh, reality Don't set that we've built. We're taking them to real job sites, real people in real life who are real tough, going to real job sites to compete to find out who is the toughest of them all. Yeah, and it was interesting watching, like I said earlier, the diversity, because I saw the one woman speaking about being a female iron worker, and I was like, well done, because again, I couldn't do that, but I like that it's a reminder that you don't have to take a career or skill that's traditionally a certain gender. Yeah, that was kind of a key factor in the show, was what is toughness? You know, What does it mean to be tough? shapes and sizes um, and that's sort of and you understand really to explore you know i'm sure show. just in your work you've said, met I'm people and that's who be on Wednesday nights at you APM, might so see from the outside and think oh that you, you make a judgment uh, about somebody but based on the way they look the and then when you get to know them you're like wow yeah, that person you. is and, and, so incredibly uh, resilient and tough now my mother is 78 years old and I am Nobody going to say without question that of all the people I've ever met in the world, she is hands down the toughest person the I've ever met. Now, is she stronger than my dad who at 78 for his birthday did 430 push-ups? No, but um, mentally tough, nobody can match her in my opinion. And so I wanted to explore what toughness is outside or off the NFL. You don't have to be an NFL player or an MMA fighter to be tough. You can also be tough by getting up every day four o'clock, driving an hour and a half to work, pulling in a full day's work, going to a second job, going to the grocery store, picking up groceries, cooking for your family, freezing the food for their meal the next night, going to bed at midnight, getting up at four again and doing it over and over and over again, year after year. And that to me is tough. And that's something that I wanted to explore. So you're going to see that we will redefine what toughness is 
and that it comes in many shapes and sizes. Sometimes you'll, you'll see some uh, two people on our show who are in their 60s. Um, they're male, they're female, they're young, they're old, uh, black, white, you know, different trades. Uh, toughness comes in many shapes and sizes, and that's sort of something we really wanted to explore on the show. Beautifully said. I'm inspired. And that's going to be on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. So people can go back and check out the two-hour premiere. Uh, thanks for everything you're doing. And congrats on the show. Yeah, thank you. And, and uh, I, I do want to say that in addition to finding the toughest of them all, nobody goes home. That's what makes Tough as Nails different is everybody stays to the end of the competition. Because even if you get cut from the individual competition, you stay to compete in a team competition. And there's money to be won in the team competition as well. So if you fall in love with the characters that you see on Top of Snails, just know that they're going to stay all the way to the end of the series because there's two mutually exclusive competitions happening at the same time. Beautiful. All right, we'll be tuning in. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful night. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Coming up next, we're sliding into the DMs. And you're looking to spend time with them, well, then we we do it anyway. And so nothing nothing can promise that it's going to go smoothly. So I don't I don't know, but maybe it's also time to get into some therapy and kind of look at the current structures and situations in your life. Um, we can also sometimes just really allow that anxiety to build and fester by not practicing or getting out there taking chances. But as far as also the bisexual piece, um, your kids are old enough. Every kid at any age is old enough to know about bisexuality use television songs movies you can from birth just talk about how people are different races and people are different genders and people are different sexual orientations age appropriately but honestly you know but there's nothing toxic about that uh let's go to another question dear dr chris i don't know what to do i think my husband has been going out not cheating but i think he started to do coke oh shoot he's with his brothers i know because i have his location okay we got to talk about that uh, but the other day I asked for his credit card and he gave me his wallet and there's a little baggie in it. What's the best way to confront him? Well, we don't confront people, right? Adults are in theory allowed to do what they want. So we don't confront people. Also know that um, confronting makes people defensive and it makes people feel attacked. And so you want to have a loving and honest conversation about what you found. And that's really what it is. There's no best way other than loving. And so I'd find a moment when things feel good and safe, when there's time and space to talk and you can turn to him and say to him, listen, I, I found drugs in your wallet and I wanted to just understand what that's about and um, how often this is happening and be open because maybe he'll let you know he's a casual user. Uh, I know it's shocking for some people to hear that, but some people casually use drugs or alcohol. Not everyone that drinks a cocktail a couple times a week is an alcoholic and not everyone that engages in drug use is um, a drug addict. These are things that some people manage and use. Right. So you want to talk about that. And then you have to really look at him and his answers and see if it feels safe and stable to you. But don't assume casual use equals a problem. You know, what we're talking about now in the field is that not drug and alcohol use isn't black or white. Just because someone has a few drinks doesn't mean they need to never drink again. And not everyone's ready for sobriety or complete abstinence. So even if he does say, you know, the coke use is feeling out of control, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm managing it, it's leading to problems. Uh, harm reduction might be the best model where he starts to talk about how can I use it in a safer way? How can I decrease its severity? How can I be more thoughtful and intentional? Because again, All right, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. I have two kids by the same baby daddy. 
One is 14. You know, do a little research one is 11. Ahead of time, though, We've been broken up for years, and his family isn't really a part of their lives. Recently, my 14-year-old is asking why I don't have a boyfriend, but to be honest, I'm bi, and I don't know how to tell them. I'm not dating anyone, and I haven't for a while in fear of what's going to happen. So here, you know, again, here's an example of where our dating history impacts our thoughts and feelings of what's possible and what's to come. And this is where we talk again about leaving people better off, but also being thoughtful about who you allow into your life, knowing that it's not just casual dating or it's not a one-off that we're going to walk away, walk away from the situation, feeling like better for it or worse off for it. So I do like that you're being thoughtful about that but here's the thing you got to get back out there we need you need what we call corrective experience you need to be shown that dating can be fun sex can be fun that the world's not as scary as you think it is and so start practicing dating i want to weigh in on that piece for a second you know you're afraid of what's going to happen look we never know what's going to happen and relationality whenever we're doing anything with other human beings there's ups there's downs it can be scary we never really know what's going to happen but if if you find value in it when we're talking about you're looking to, to spend time with someone, well, then we, we do it anyway. And so nothing nothing so can promise that it's going to go smoothly. So I don't I don't know. But maybe it's also time to get into some therapy and kind of look at so the current structures and situations in your life. Um, we can also sometimes just really allow that anxiety to build and fester by not practicing or getting out there taking chances but as far as also the bisexual piece um your kids are old enough every kid at any age is old enough to know about bisexuality use television songs movies you can from birth just talk about how people are different races and people are different genders and people are different sexual orientations age appropriately but honestly you know but there's nothing toxic about that uh let's go to another question dear dr chris i don't know what to do i think my husband has been going out not cheating, but I think he started to do coke. Like oh, shoot. He's with his brothers. I know because I have his location. Yeah, and, and okay, I think we got to so talk about that. that uh, but the other day, I asked for his credit card, and he gave me his wallet, and there's a little baggie in it. Done. What's the best way to confront him? Well, we don't confront people, right? Adults are, in theory, allowed to do what they want, so we don't confront people. Also know that um, confronting makes people defensive, and it makes people feel attacked. And so you want to have a loving and honest conversation about what you found. And that's really what it is. There's no best way other than loving. And so I'd find a moment when things feel good and safe, when there's time and space to talk, and you can turn to him and say to him, listen, I, I found drugs in your wallet, and I wanted to just understand what that's about and um, how often this is happening. And be open, because maybe he'll let you know he's a casual user. Uh, I know so, it's shocking for some um, people to hear that, but some people casually use drugs or alcohol. Not everyone that drinks a cocktail a couple times a week is an alcoholic, and not everyone that engages in drug it, use it, is it um, a drug addict. These are things that some people manage and use, right? So you want to talk about that. And then you have to really look at him and his answers and see if it feels safe and stable to you. But don't assume casual use equals a problem. You know, what we're talking about now in the field is that not drug and alcohol use isn't black or white. Just because someone has a few drinks doesn't mean they need to never drink again. And not everyone's ready for sobriety or complete abstinence. So even if he does say, you know, the coke use is feeling out of control, I don't feel like I'm managing it, it's leading to problems. Uh, harm reduction might be the best model where he starts to talk about how can I use it in a safer way? How can I decrease its severity? How can I be more thoughtful and intentional? Because again, not everyone's ready for complete sobriety or even open to that. And so that's, I guess, the second piece of this conversation is um, you have to also really be ready to hear his experience. 
So go in it, non-judgmental, not with a goal other than to, to hear and to learn. So it's about being open and staying grounded, you know? Do a little research yourself but ahead of time, though. I'll throw that in there as well, that us armed with some education and some facts and all that can help. But but again, you're not going in saying you have a problem, this isn't okay. Go in open and letting him kind of explain his position and his situation. And then you as a couple really decide what that's going to mean, you know? But um, um, this could be this this could be a beautiful moment is, where you also uh, just practice having really difficult conversations, because the couples that are comfortable so with difficult conversations wouldn't have an issue addressing something like this, you know. So there might be some distance and space, and also remember you want to be safe for him to go to, so you don't want to be problematic or attacking in the responses, thereby letting him know like I'm not a safe person to have difficult conversations with. All right, question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page. When we come back, we're gonna be breaking that on down. You listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Radio.com of lower well-being so don't feel guilty about turning to your favorite television shows or your favorite movies as a means of feeling connected that's good that's healthy we'll be right back with dr shira gabriel we'll be talking more about social isolation dr shira gabriel associate professor of psychology i think you know positive outcome that came from this that i saw in my own life and also you know clients in my private practice is that it also reminded us me and them that we were maybe putting work too much as a center point of priority and that we're realizing how how we really do need these relationships in our lives and that we weren't giving them enough attention and focus yeah that's amazing so that's such a beautiful thing to hear like if people can find a way to learn from this and turn this into a positive thing, like that's, um, you know, that's a huge predictor of well-being in life is uh, being able to- All right, to now let's go to our next guest, Dr. Shira Gabriel, Associate Professor of Psychology. How are you? Welcome to the show. Good, thanks you for having me. Of course, so we're gonna talk a little bit about surviving really social isolation. I know that when COVID happened, we weren't necessarily prepared. Um, also didn't or, know the length of time uh, you know, that we we're gonna to have to be self-isolating. So when we're talking so about trying to get through this as best we can, what do we need to be considering? So I think it differs for every person. We all have a basic human need for social connection. So we need to talk to other people. We need to feel connected to other people. We need to feel like we're a part of something bigger than the self, but we do differ in how we fill that need for connection. So um, people need to think about the best way that the, the things that they do that tend to make them feel connected in their regular lives when they aren't being socially isolated. And then they need to try uh, and come up with ways that they can fill those needs even through social isolation. And we've been doing a little research on it, so I have um, some ideas of what those things can be. Uh, but for each person, it might differ based on what you'd like to do when you have all your options. Yeah, and, and I think I'm so thankful that it's happening at a time when we have the use of technology because I don't know what we would have done had this happened back in the day when we used gasp landlines. Remember those? <laughs> so in a general sense, though, for those that, you know, generalizing, what would be the top three things that you'd recommend to people to get through this at their best? So the top three things, the first thing is if you have access to uh, programs like Skype or Zoom or uh, if you can use your iPhone to video talk with people, make sure to do that. 
Um, so make sure to keep in contact with people in that way. That's that's one thing to do. So our research suggests that if you can do that, it helps. When you do that, turn off your self view. So um, you can Google how to do that if you don't know how to do it. But you don't want to be looking at yourself while you're talking to other people because um, it's it it takes up mental resources. It's not normal, basically. And most of the time, we can't see ourselves. So when we can see ourselves, even if we're not normally self conscious, we feel self-conscious and it depletes us it makes us tired i don't know if you've ever been on a zoom with people and it seems fun but then at the end you're kind of exhausted part of the reason for that might be if you have yourself turned on that's just not a normal way to interact with other people wait that's powerful i haven't heard anyone say that yet and now that you're saying it i'm thinking of myself on facetime and most of the time i'm staring at myself oh yeah it's terrible we all do it and don't feel bad if you're doing it it's totally normal because it's abnormal to be able to see ourselves Some in conversation so you want to turn that off you don't want to be able to see yourself that's one yeah, I mean, huge that's way to really increase hard. how much you enjoy yeah, those really, things really um, another way. thing you can do so a second thing is to you know, um, think about ways that you can connect that you normally couldn't connect so um, for example I've been in touch with friends from high school that I lost touch with and friends from college that I don't really talk to because if you're stuck in the house um, odds are other people are stuck in the house too and they have extra time so you can take this as an opportunity to reconnect with people as well and our research suggests that that is really a very healthy way to handle this um, and then the third thing that you can do is uh, not feel guilty about increased screen time so if you feel drawn to re-watching The Office and if you spend a few hours some evening just binge watching a new show um, those might be the sorts of things that you normally feel bad about it but our research suggests uh, that those are actually things that make people feel good and that the people in quarantine who are doing those sorts of things actually have increased well-being instead of lower well-being. So don't feel guilty about turning to your favorite television shows or your favorite movies as a means of feeling connected. That's good. That's healthy. We'll be right back with Dr. Shira Gabriel. We'll be talking more about social isolation. The pioneers made it through years alone on the prairie. People have made it through, you know, death camps and prison, um, and you can make it through this. It, that doesn't, it isn't, I'm not trying to minimize it. This is very difficult, but uh, your physical health is important too, and your long-term mental health is important as well. Beautifully said. Dr. Shira Gabriel, thank you so much for being a part of the show, and have a beautiful night. Thank you. You too. This was fun. You can watch more of Phil Kogan and Shira Gabriel on I'm Listening our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific on Radio.com. All right, we're back, and now it's time for Question of the Night. Question of the Night is based on a study. A study, according to Pure Wow, says that these zodiac signs should never date. Because they're two Dr. Shira Gabriel, associate professor toxic. of psychology. And I think oh you know gosh. positive outcome that Aries came with from the Taurus, 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 Taurus with the Gemini, also, you know, Gemini with Capricorn, is that it also Cancer with Aquarius, us, Leo with Scorpio, we were Virgo with Pisces, too much Libra with Virgo, Scorpio with and that Leo. Realizing how you know how we really do need these relationships so in our lives. And astrology is something that is so meaningful and powerful to so many people. It's also something that a lot of people really disregard and don't see any value in. So the question is. 
survey done by InStyle says that 61% like, of people uh, seriously consider know, someone's zodiac sign before entering a relationship. So do you seriously uh, consider someone's zodiac sign before dating them? It's going to get real because this is kind of like the punchy topic of do you care about people's politics? I personally don't know much about astrology, so I don't know what to look for, although I just learned that as a Scorpio, it's toxic if I'm with a Leo. So heads up. I've had issues in the past with Gemini, so that might be what I need to really avoid. So do you consider someone's zodiac sign before dating them? First person, absolutely not in all caps. You know, it's interesting. There are Our personalities are co-created. But don't we have different people based on the different relationships we're in, right? So really you see me so I operating as Dr. Donnie in my like office. That's one version of who I am. You'll see a different version if I'm with someone I'm dating and yet another when I'm with friends, depending even on who the friend is, and even yet another when I'm maybe with my mom. And those are all parts of who I am. We are, again, co-creating because we're responding to the person in front of us. So we have many different selves. And culturally, we've obsessed ourselves with this idea of the authentic self. We have many different authentic selves. We're many selves. Always changing, always different in relationships. Um, Are there core themes and threads that we carry with us? Sure. But those can uh, also be modified in micro or macro ways based on, again, who we're with, our mood, you know, what's going on in our jobs. I mean, Um, we're so contextualized that we're a big ball of shift and change. Uh, So should Um, you consider dating someone based on their zodiac sign? That is our question of the night. Uh, Let's see. Someone else said, yes, Dr. Chris, what sign are you? Are you concerned or are you and seeing the little the bit I do know about these syndromes coming out of this true. that maybe we wouldn't have culturally encountered prior. <laughs> we get a bad rap. The good rap we get is we are oh, hypersexual. Um, and again, that's that such a great true. question. Someone I mean, else said, I, hell no, WTF. I, okay, I, I okay. Like, so we don't I, have I a lot of zodiac astrology fans listening or answering the question tonight. But those are out there. There's a lot of people that swear by this. Question like, do you seriously consider someone's zodiac time for dating them? Someone else said, not really. Although I am a Sagittarius and people assume things about me because of my sign. Connect, I even though uh, I've had some assumptions as well. Although time. you're sad, I don't know what that uh, and, means. And so I assume nothing. I assume nothing. I'm a big fan yeah. of, and I love that because again, what those I'm such a relationalist. Like I'm always because we talk about personality traits. That and it's, making it's that pretty sterile and compartmentalized. We don't necessarily know what someone else's other traits will do in response to that as well, right? And then finally, I want you to just weigh in on this. Somebody else said, "Yes." Has created some to better understand their communication There's a lot of people, you know, they're using the apps, emotions. they're dating, okay. and some people are saying, a huge look, part self-isolation's gone on long enough. I want so to get out there and meet totally people. I want some Somebody affection else said, as far in my as life, maybe some sexuality. And I'm dating saying, based as a zodiac mental sign, health professional, this please don't said, do that. Yes, you know, date online, meet up in separation. But some people are saying, look, some people need those touch needs met. What are your thoughts on that? You know, there's the MMPI, yeah, there's I mean, uh, the Myers Briggs, really all sorts hard. of different like, personality tests. Really, and I always really tell people to hold them lightly because those are based on stats, <laughs> you know, it's and funny. norms, we and there's always outliers. And again, we're constantly and changing and different based on age bracket, who we're in relationship sort of comments, to, like, also just trauma based on first, all these different factors. And these tests can't accommodate for all of that. They're based on a lot of statistical norms and a lot of assumptions. So, question like, do you seriously consider someone's astrology or zodiac sign before dating them? Someone said, nope. I personally don't. I just go for whoever I like. Have regular access uh, like to it. Someone else said maybe. I'm a Scorpio with a very high sex drive. Um, I think one thing and I'm curious if another Scorpio can keep up. I've never dated like another forever. Scorpio, but I'd like uh, to, and I bet I could keep up. Like someone else said, uh, yes. Um, That's one of the first questions I ask on a date or when I meet someone. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to find I've ways had that asked a lot. I definitely have to learn this. more, though, before uh, I can make a lot of money out of that. And uh, we'll and end on this one. Someone said, I'm a Gemini, so people either hate me or they love me. I've had someone not date me because of my sign. Yeah, I get it. Look, I bad experience with Gemini, so that would be me. I'd be like, hard pass. Sorry about it. That's our question tonight. Thank you to those that participated. That's always up on our Loveline IG stories, so weigh in on that. That's there every night. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q. And on the prairie, people have made it through, you know, All death right, camps back. and, and prison. Those um, and you can make it through this. Into that doesn't, DMs. it isn't. I'm not Slide trying to minimize it. This is very difficult, but uh, your you physical health is important too, and your long-term mental health Chris, is important as well. Beautifully said, Dr. Shira Gabriel. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, and have a beautiful night. Thank you, you too. This was fun. You can watch more of Phil Kogan and Shira Gabriel on I'm Listening, our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific on Radio.com. If they're trying to lose weight or gain weight, and you don't know if the weight gain or weight loss is tied to a trauma, a mental health issue, a physical issue, um, a disease, don't relate to people around that, you know. And I know we think we're sometimes giving them a compliment, but here's an example of a person who they're not wanting to lose weight and they're feeling really bad about it. And I've seen that happen with uh, males as well, where someone's trying to bulk, where someone's trying to slim down, and people are making comments on their weight. I've had it done to me, and I, I'm at least boundaried enough to sometimes say something like, hey, you know, it sounds like you're trying to give me a compliment. I appreciate that, but I really prefer to not discuss my body. I try to not consider it, because I try to practice body neutrality, where it is what it is, and as long as I'm exercising and feeling good and taking care of myself in the ways that make sense to me, then it doesn't matter. And so I try to not assess it. I'm not the person that stares in the mirror looking at it. I don't have you know, a goal weight. Um, I'm, not, I'm trying to stay out of that. It's very difficult. So I can at least say personally, I prefer to, pe to have people not weighing in on gain, loss. That's life. We're always going to gain weight or lose weight. That's just part of life you know, based on a multitude of different factors happening. But again, you never know if it's a good or bad thing. So just be very thoughtful. But here's an example you know, where you can practice with your friends, having a more honest relationship with them. Say to them, you know, I want to be the kind of friends where we support the best in each other. Let's be the kind of friend group where we don't talk about our bodies and engage in body shaming or diet culture talk. You know, you can say, let's be the kind of friends that, you know, really are center our engagements around care. You know, like, I love that. Like, how can we be more loving? So tell them it hurts them when they make fun of you. And their response to you sharing that says everything about how healthy they are as a friend. If they're like, oh, I'm sorry that that happened. I'll stop. Great friends. If they're like, you need to get over it, calm down. It's not a big deal. Not great friends. That's a sign of them being toxic, right? When we go to someone in our lives, we share with them the impact their behavior or words have on us and how they manage or handle that and how they respond tells us everything about them. So woof, here's another one. Um, hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question in regards to relationship OCD. What are your thoughts? Does it exist? I feel like I may have this. What is the best route to getting help? What type of therapy should I expect? Bam, you're all in. Um, relationship OCD, look. All right, we're back. And now it's time for question of the so night. Of question course, of the night is based on a study. A study, so according to Pure Wow, says that these zodiac um, signs should never date because their two personalities are yeah, always toxic. Oh my gosh. Aries so, with a Taurus, Taurus you know, with a Gemini, Gemini with Capricorn, Cancer with Aquarius, Leo with Scorpio, Virgo with Pisces, Libra with Virgo, Scorpio with Leo. 
I mean, that's you know, that we all have to do. And that's not it's so fascinating. Astrology is something that is so meaningful and powerful to so many people. These labels are it's also something that a lot of people really disregard and don't see any value in. Like, so the question of the night is, survey done by InStyle says that 61% of people seriously consider someone's zodiac sign before entering a relationship. So do you seriously consider someone's zodiac sign before dating them? This is going to get real because this is kind of like the punchy topic of do you care about people's politics? I personally don't know much about astrology, so I don't know what to look for, although I just learned that as a Scorpio, <laughs> it's toxic if I'm with a Leo, so heads up. I've had issues in the past with Gemini, so that might be what I need to really avoid. So do you consider someone's zodiac sign before dating them? First person, absolutely not, in all caps. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There are, Our personalities are co-created. We are different people based on the different relationships we're in, right? So if you see me operating as Dr. Donahue in my office, that's one version of who I am. You'll see a different version if I'm with someone I'm dating and yet another when I'm with friends, depending on even on who the friend is, and even yet another when I'm maybe with my mom. And those are all parts of who I am. We are, again, co-created because we're responding to the person in front of us. So we have many different selves. And culturally, we've obsessed ourselves with this idea of the authentic self. We have many different authentic selves. We're many selves, always changing, always different in relationships. Are there core themes and threads that we carry with us? Sure. But those can also be modified in micro or macro ways based on, again, who we're with, our mood, you know, what's going on in our jobs. I mean, we're so contextualized that we're a big ball of shift and change. Uh, so should you consider dating someone based on their zodiac sign? That is our question of the night. Uh, let's see. Someone else said, yes, Dr. Chris, what sign are you? I'm a Scorpio. And the little bit I do know about being a Scorpio, it's 